Welcome to the Level Work Podcast. This is Jeff. And Andre. I could not get you to stop talking. What a woman speak. Do you see what I'm saying? How to break through with your spouse, your partner. <laughs> I've been thinking about this. How did you handle this? The man's kind of got it good. I feel like you're getting off on a little bit of soapbox. This is me rolling my eyes. This is really great. I really... Rolling. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Welcome to the Lover Work Podcast. I am Jeff. And I'm Andre. And we are so thankful that you are listening in with us today. We have a great podcast that you're about to hear with some great friends of ours. But before we do that, I just want to take a second and thank every listener for being on this journey with us. We've been at it for a few months now. We've had incredible response. It's been so cool to hear from so many of you little things about how it's helped you in your marriage and in your balance in life and work. And and um, we're, just, we're just thankful that we get to do this. I know. It's really fun. Every interview you know, teaches us just as much. And so I feel like we're learning and growing through this and it's been awesome. So so we're about to enter into a holiday season. We are in the holiday season. Yeah. And um, this interview, we're going to talk about some of those things with it. But I just want to encourage all of you, you know, this is a season, if you haven't listened to past episodes, this is a time you can get caught up because you're probably going to be driving in a car someplace. You're stuck be in traffic. Stuck in traffic. <laughs> that Darn holiday traffic. Yeah. And I think the season, the holiday season actually is a really good time to kind of reevaluate how things are going in life and in marriage and in balance and making a new standard, new priorities for the new season. You are all about the uh, new year resolutions. <laughs> all right. So let's talk about our friends today. Today we are interviewing Chris and Terry Bloodstone. Chris is the founder of Bankers Dashboard, and Terry is the owner of On Purpose Goods. And first of all, they are great, great friends of ours. We would call them family. We have kind of adopted into each other's lives like crazy. I would say they adopted us more. They adopted us, and we just are glad to be a part of the family. <laughs> Uh, her grandkids and our kids play all the time, call each other cousins. We are part of family vacations. Which to, to it's be... It's been great. Yeah, to be very truthful, we went to a dinner with them one time. We didn't know the connection we'd have with them, but they had adopted three of their children. And for us, with our story of adoption, it was an instant connection. Their, their mm. kids are a lot older than ours. So it was really interesting to be able to have a friend to process some of that with. And they're and they are they're older and kind of a step ahead of us in all of things with raising kids and so it's been always like mentorship and wisdom and learning so much from them just being a step ahead. One of the cool projects that they have is On Purpose Goods. Um, Terry's the founder of, and they're making these really cool pillows that could be a great gift idea for this holiday season for your friends or family. If they have a dog, if they have a cat, if, if there's a lot of different. Uh, it's for like those people that you don't know what to buy gifts for. Yeah, and it has a great give back. So um, make sure to check that out, On Purpose Goods. We'll probably do some giveaway on our Instagram for that. Uh, but before we get right into it, I have three things that you should be listening for. You did it right. Amazing. Three things. The third one is my favorite. The first is the answer this question, what do you do when your kids don't do what you want them to do? And when I say kids, I don't just mean like the two-year-old. 
I mean, when they're, you know, engaging adulthood and they're making life choices that might be different than you think is best for their life. Um, that's a hard question to answer. The second thing is they have this phrase, wow, really? <laughs> I love that. Take a breath. Wow. wow really? really? I'm going to start integrating that oh my into Lord. all of life. Keep going. Wow. Number three. Really? <laughs> and number three, <laughs> I saved the best for last. What do you think it is, Andre? Just go. go. Naked Tuesday. I knew you were going to say Here it. it comes. Naked Tuesday. And here it is. Lover work with Chris and Terry Bledsoe. Let's start at the beginning. I'd love to hear your story of love. How did it begin? How did you two find each other? What was the starting place? We were set up on a blind date. His boss and my boss were getting married, and we worked at the hospital. And so they thought it would be fun to spread the love. And so they, we broke this phone, and Chris was working down in maintenance. It wasn't broke. It wasn't broke. <laughs> oh, it was a setup. <laughs> and I was supposed to go down the elevator and ask Chris if he could fix this phone or replace it so that he would have to come back up. And I, I went down, and he was so cute. And I had seen him standing on the ladder. <laughs> I was like, ooh, he's very cute. And um, so I thought this might be a blind date. I should go on. I love it. This was way back when. How old were y'all? Senior year in college. Oh, this is the best part of the story. But I was a senior you, in high school. Yes. Oh, there's, I did not right. know that. There's the age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's the big age difference right there. It's not big. <laughs> but when it's but it was there. high school to college, it yeah. feels bigger. Yeah. It did. It I did. mean, now it doesn't. Yeah. But then, yeah. I got almost through the whole first date without telling to tell him I was still in high school. Because he knew a lot of people from my high school, but of course they were four years older which my best friend had a brother Chris's age. So I knew all these people, but they weren't my classmates. Did you finally confess? I did. And what did you think, Chris, when she finally... Oh my gosh. (laughs) What have we got here? (laughs) But no, I was... You know, she was this hot little blonde in in scrubs. (laughs) (laughs) Scrubs are so flattering. And it was during the summer before my senior year. Okay. So just doing my thing, working, and here she comes. So, yeah, we dated that summer. Yeah, we did. And her age never really slowed us down. We snuck her in wherever we had to sneak her in. The funnest thing that happened was when we went to his fraternity Christmas party that year, and they had the Santa, and and it was sort of a, a roast, you know, where they would roast the brothers, and they gave him a pacifier for his girlfriend because <laughs> 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 they thought I was so young. <laughs> But they all loved me. They That's did. Funny. They did. <laughs> so how long have y'all been married? 31 years. 31. Yeah. And four kids, three adopted. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Two grandkids. Two grandbabies. And now you are empty nesters. We are. All mm. the kids That's are right. out of the house. Yeah. Yes, they are. <laughs> so how does that feel? This is a new age and stage. Yeah. Naked Tuesdays are our favorite. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right. Here we go. This 
is and we why borrowed I... that from some good friends of ours. This that is... that was their piece of advice. Note to self: never go to the blood shows on Tuesdays. <laughs> don't just drop in. Yeah, no, just drop we in. tell the kids: don't walk in our house. Ring the door. Text us. Call. <laughs> you might see more than you want to see. <laughs> We're looking at moving that to Wednesday too, so it may be a two day event. <laughs> but there are maybe just days that end in Y. <laughs> But that was a big transition, right? I yes. mean, so it's been two, almost two years. Yeah. And I think with any transition, even if it's a transition to something you're looking forward to, there's, there's challenges and struggles and growth opportunities and pain. And then there's, you know, before you like land where you're going to sit in it and enjoy mm. it and, and really, I think, embrace it. Yeah, it's a... You know, we moved into the city, too. Yeah, right around the the same same time. time. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. so that's, you know, it was time for us to move, and we're glad to be here, but it's also got its own challenges. Yeah. You know, leaving a house you lived in 16 years, Hmm. and and not, we've never looked back and wished we were still there, ever. Yeah. But that was a little more challenging than I thought we thought it would be. Yeah, I think for me, it was about managing expectations because you think or, or I thought it would be date night 24-7. Right. Like, yeah. We've raised all these kids all these years where it wasn't about us. It wasn't what we wanted. It wasn't, you know, I didn't get to do, I didn't get to wake up and think, what do I want to do today? I'd had, I was driven by other people's schedules and needs. And I think we had some expectation clashes there, maybe. Yeah, Totally. Yeah, it's like we're trying to that. figure out what the new normal is. Right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And everybody comes to that with their own needs, expectations, you know, sort of things that they have put off, right, mm-hmm. until the right time. And sometimes... Well, I think you've got all those needs and expectations and you don't even realize you have them. Yeah. yeah. You know, so it's yeah. there, but it's not like you realize it's there until there's issues. Yeah, and Conflict. plus I think, you know, Conflict. by yeah. moving, what do they say? Well, I think we hit all of them, like moving, child moving out, you know. All um, the big stressors. All the bigs, yeah. yeah. He started a new startup. I started a new startup. I mean, like, it's... The perfect storm. We had, you know, health of aging parents. So it was all the things. And then we had our own sort of things that we had hopes and wishes and passions of things that we had purposely put to the side because our greater priority was raising our family Mm -hmm. and providing for our family. So now those passions and desires came to the top, but they weren't necessarily the same. Right. Let's step back and think about that for a sec. Love for you to share, because you have been through so many different seasons as a couple, right? And as a family. If you were giving advice to someone that's in some of the early seasons of that, like how would you give them advice about each one of those seasons you guys have, have walked through? You know, one of the things we talked about was to, you know, step back and win the day, right? There's Chip Kelly, the football coach. You're in football a lot that don't look so far ahead and get hung up in the future. Look at today. And what you can do today to impact uh, what's coming. Because, you know, at every one of the stages, you've got opportunities to pour into them and to plant seeds that often doesn't look like they're taken. But when you get down the road and look back, you'll see evidence that they were. So, you know, take it one day at a time. Don't get so hung up in 
you know, trying to be that Facebook, Instagram family every day, but, right, yeah. you know, live each day intentionally. Hmm. What about you, Terry? Yeah, I think so early on we were married and then we were pregnant about <laughs> 32 minutes later. <laughs> so, and we were young, you know, he was 24, 25 and I was 21 and we were 20 and 24 when we got married and 21 and 25 when we became parents. And, um, I think we had some marriage, I mean, some family advice pretty early from this guy, uh, Dr. Tim Kimmel, and it was philosophy, strategy, tactics. So like start with the end in mind. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so where the seasons are going, instead of thinking about how do I want to be a parent? How do I want to be an empty nester? How do I want to be a husband, a wife, whatever, start with your overarching philosophy. And our philosophy was basically that, you know, we believed that um, God would do whatever we needed him to do in that moment. We wouldn't necessarily be equipped ahead of time. But if we stayed in the day, if we stayed present, that we would get what we needed. We would be okay. And so the, so that was our philosophy. So our strategy was different. You know, it was um, generosity. It's always been generosity, gratitude, and sort of others first. And sometimes others first is serving, and sometimes others first is just listening, giving someone else the opportunity to be heard instead of always needing to be heard. Um, and so where that showed up in all of our seasons was as young marrieds, I mean, we had real tangible needs, apartment, jobs. You know, as young parents, we had to figure out how do we raise this kid? What are we going to do? You know, and so our tactics might be prayer. It might be hard work. It might be sharing. I mean, so I think each stage we, we kind of went and said, let's start with the end in mind. What do we want this to look like mm-hmm. when we're done? You know, I really like that. I'm going to interject for one second because I think Andre and I have talked, we haven't had this language before and how we do this, but I love thinking about, okay, in this season, what's our philosophy? Is that how right. you would say like at yeah. this season, what's our philosophy and our strength? Like in this season, the baby's crying all night. So our philosophy is to get through the night, right? <laughs> <laughs> but that like, would be your strategy. That, your that philosophy would be strategy. is we will get through We will this. get yeah, through There the you night. go. Yeah. 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 So that, that's good. Yeah. And so you would keep asking yourself that those kind of series of the philosophy, strategy, and tactics in each season, those change, right? Right. And I think your philosophy I think because we're all growing, learning, and changing, right? We're either dying or changing, and even in dying, we change. So you stay a learner, and I think our philosophy was that we're not going to have all the answers ahead of time, Mm -hmm. but we believe, we have faith that, you know, God is always with us, and therefore, we'll always have what we need when we need it. Yeah. Um, And sometimes we experience a situational lack, but not like a reality lack. The reality Mm -hmm. is... And that has been pivotal for us because we have walked through a lot. And had we not had that philosophy or even just the understanding that we can have a philosophy that can drive our strategies, that can drive our tactics. So we do what we do, you know, sometimes for a reason and sometimes we just do. And then we go, okay, wait a minute. Why do we do that? Well, we Mm. did it because we believed something. So we Mm. back it up. And I think that doesn't change the outcome of things always, but it changes us and helps Mm -hmm. us um, stay present, like Chris said, and win the day instead of maybe um, being overwhelmed with grief if -hmm. there's loss or being overwhelmed with um, anxiety and fear and worry 
about maybe a challenge and how it will present itself in the future. And a great example of that is we have three adopted children and we foster parented two of them. And so across the spectrum of our four children, we have mental illness. And one of the kids uh, was dyslexic along with some of the mental illness. And I remember thinking, how are we going to teach this child to read? You know, how are we going to do that? And uh, so that was a tactic. And so we went to the strategy of, all right, we got to figure it out, you know. And what do we really believe? Do we believe he will read? Mm -hmm. And I remember saying to him, I know you will read. I don't know when you will read. I don't know how we're going to teach you to read, but we're going to figure this out. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what we did. And he reads. (laughs) Yes. So, yeah, that kind of goes to the kids thing because there's a lot of... I don't know. I think we have expectations on our kids a lot of times, or we think that um, hopefully our kids will obey and do the things we want them to do and be the people we want them to be. But basically that doesn't really happen so much. So what do you do about kids who don't do what you want them to do? This is just such an easy question, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, one of the things that can happen, you can feel like you're on an island sometimes and it looks like everybody else's kids are doing everything, but yours aren't, you know, and don't get, I guess, hypnotized by that because it's not true. But I think looking at planting those seeds like I was talking about earlier, because your kids, although they are a reflection of you as parents, they're not, they don't define you as parents. Mm, and that's good. The chances are they are going to mess up, Okay. And that's part of growing up, part of figuring stuff out. Uh, You want them out there, you know, taking risks to learn. You know, parents that are always saying, be careful, be careful, be careful, it it drives me crazy. (laughs) Because you want them to take a risk in whatever they're doing. But I think expect them to not do the right thing all the time. But every time they don't, use it as an opportunity to learn and teach and again you're planting a seed that you don't realize it's going to take until you look back Hmm. so don't get hung up in every little thing they do wrong and really you know really celebrate the things they do well Hmm. Mm. can i i want you to expound on something that i know personally about you i really respect you about this is in the midst of as your kids have gotten older and i haven't i didn't we didn't know you guys when you when the kids were younger we've known you as the kids have been older but you guys have had to walk through some tough situations, and I've seen you literally say to me, well, at the end of the day, I want them to know that I love them, mm. reg- regardless of yeah. whatever they do. Yeah. Explain, share a little bit about that, what goes through your head in the midst yeah, of Yeah, I mean, you know, even when you're in the worst possible place, maybe you're not seeing eye to eye. Maybe, maybe they're headed off one way, and, and you're thinking they need to be another mm. You know, at the end of the day, I want them to realize I love them. Don't necessarily agree with what they're doing. Don't need to support what they're doing. But I love them regardless. And that's the thing I want them to realize. If they ever look back, they can always say, hey, you know, even though I was doing something stupid, my dad loved me. Mm-hmm. You know, and he told me that. And, and you know, we've got, we've got some challenges right now with, with two of our kids. And, but every time... We get an opportunity to communicate with them. That's how I want to leave it with them. 
that, hey, I love you. And that's the part I hope they will take back. And, uh, you know, that's what I want to be known for. That, hey, I loved them. Didn't agree with them. Didn't support them in that particular decision or whatever. Yeah, because they're going to make stupid decisions. I mean, we all did. Somehow <laughs> we got through it, you know. <laughs> but, but, yeah. I appreciate that. What about you, Terry? Yeah, so I think my philosophy, and I didn't realize this until we'd had a couple of years of counseling for a son that has, um, he's an addict. So he's heroin, crack, all the things. And what I realized my philosophy was, was that as long as there's breath, there's hope, right? And so we're not called as parents or spouses or people to know the right thing to do or to do the right thing. But we all called to hope. And as long as there's breath, we can't give up. Because we didn't, we made these people or we raised these people, but we didn't create them. So we don't know what their purpose is. And so for them to make a decision or live in a life, their life differently than I would want them to, yes, like Chris said, it would be not truthful to say it's not a reflection on me. But my hope is that everything we poured into them will will come back to the end and they'll live true to themselves because that's what we feel like we're doing. We're living true to the people that we think we were created to be. And so I think for me, just as long as there's hope, you know, the day I'll quit hoping is when I bury them. And even in that, I think there's hope that their lives will have changed me and and changed others and had an impact on the world so that's the philosophy the strategy is don't kill them because <laughs> if i take their breath then i've taken my own home um and then I, and hey, that's I, a good follow-up i wrote your quote as long as there is breath there's hope but if i take their if i if i kill them there's no breath there's no, no hope. but one of the things chris does really good and i'm learning to do this is to not bring a lot of energy to situations and conversations. And we learned that in counseling and family counseling as well. And um, so that would be a tactic or a strategy. Right, because it's easy to elevate oh. and escalate to Quickly. their drama and their, I mean, yeah. and their emotions. And I mean, if you think about all the people listening here with your teenagers, you know, and oh. their hormonal crazy that happens, so easy as a parent to escalate to that, right? Totally. Yeah. And Chris does such a great job, and has, and I've learned by watching him, of not that he doesn't bring love and, you know, himself to it, but he keeps his energy low. Mm-hmm. And some of the tactics we've learned, my favorite is, wow, really? Because that gives everybody time to think. Like, when I'm saying wow, and the kids are expecting <laughs> a lecture, profanity, you know, being punched, whatever they're expecting, but they don't expect you to be like, wow, you know. And, but what it gives us is three or four seconds to breathe and think and some margin before we just, I react. Chris does great to respond, but I'm a reactor. I might, I might use that with Andre someday. (laughs) Oh Lord have mercy. Wow. He's putting me in the category of unruly (laughs) teenage children. Do you all hear that? Thank you. This is what I got to deal with. But, but the other thing it does, especially with kids is like, there's this power struggle, right? As parents and most of the time they perceive that we have it and they want it. But the reality is that, you know, every conversation, every interaction, we are determining who has the power, 
right? Mm. And so when you do the, wow, really, you're, you're knocking them off kilter. Because in that moment, they really have the power because they're making you react, right, with whatever they're doing or saying or whatever decision they make. So when you, when you take a minute and do something different, now you're, you're rocking that whole um, power mobile and you have a chance to do something different. Yeah. So maybe, like in my case, I was a yeller. Part of that was I just brought so much energy to whatever. But when I learned the wow, it made us more equal because now we both had to stop and respond because that child wasn't expecting me to say, wow. They were expecting me to yell because then they knew what they were going to do next. Mm, it was a it. great tool we learned. Yeah, because often they'll say stuff, and this is at every stage, to see what your reaction is. To get reaction. the reaction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you don't give a reaction... It takes them off. It takes them off their plan, which, which is what you want. I mean, because mm-hmm. you don't want them to take control of the situation. But and then you can have a genuine connection, because yeah. then everybody's not just going after their agenda. They actually, it's almost like a burning bush. Like they're shocked, and they wait a minute. That's not my mom. She doesn't ever say wow. She just always screams, or she just always says go to your room or whatever. And I think those are the opportunities that we have to get to know each other instead of just knowing the behavior that we can expect from each other. I love that. I I think already in the first few minutes of talking with you guys, it's like you can see how much you have educated yourselves Mm. in the midst of this and, or not yourselves, but you've gotten education on the topics. I'm curious, like what advice would you give to others on continuing? I mean, you've been married how long, how many years again? Was it 31, 31, 31 years. And I mean, even this year, since we've known you, you're always recommending books for us to read. You, you've taken us on marriage retreats with you. you. You're constantly trying to grow in the areas, in parenting, but also in connection with each other. Talk through your mindset, because I don't think the average couple educates themselves as much as you guys do in this. So talk through the framework and how you've done that. Well, we're both big readers, so we read a lot and are looking for not just all, you know, parenting books or marriage books, but business, everything. Mm -hmm. So I think being exposed to a lot of different stuff is what keeps me going. I don't ever think I got it. And so, you know, we listen to some podcasts. We listen to some together. uh, We read a lot. Just look for opportunities to get exposed to new stuff going on in the world right now. Because the world is changing. It's a cool place right now. And it's, I want to understand every bit of it. Yeah, so years ago we did this thing, Strength Finders, Strength Quest. Anyway, we're both learners. And I think for one of the things Chris has always told us and our kids is that, you know, wisdom is knowledge applied, right? And so if you don't have knowledge, you can't apply it. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you're just sort of shooting in the dark. And so we have found a lot of joy and found a lot of purpose and just the way that we're created, we're both learners. We don't like to learn the same things necessarily, you know, but I think that understanding that if you're not changing, you're dying is a, is a something that we both embrace. Is this also like a way that you guys have learned to stay connected to each other and keep kind of your marriage more alive and, is interesting, that, even, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Is that is that a way that you use Yeah, that? I think so. Yeah, through reading, but also through attending stuff. 
whether it's Plywood Presents, for example, there's a variety of different speakers or something like that. That's stuff that we wouldn't necessarily go to if it was by itself, but you see it together and you get exposed to something you wouldn't have otherwise. Mm -hmm. But looking for opportunities like that. Um, yeah, and I think that if you go on the premise of, you know, like, you know, you don't give up hope, you know, as long as there's breath, right? So if there's something in your marriage or your relationship or your family that isn't how you want it, and you're praying about it, you have a part in that. Like, you change what you're in control to change, and then you leave the things that are out of your control to God or to whomever you feel is in control, you know, mm -hmm. in the universe. And so for us, it's God. And so the part that's our responsibility or we feel like we can change is if we don't know something or we don't know how to do something that we seek out the knowledge. Maybe it's a mentor, maybe it's a book, maybe it's, and that's how we think books are. They're just conversations with people maybe that we haven't gotten to meet yet. Mm -hmm. But funny story, we get to meet now a lot of the people that have written these books. And it's so great to be able to tell them just thank you. Like not mm -hmm. celebrity, but you, you did this. Mm -hmm. You spent hours doing this when you could have been doing other things and you really changed our life, mm -hmm. you know. So I think that's, and the learning part, it's fun because you get to learn, you're changing, you're growing. So there's parts of you that you didn't even know existed and now they're being developed or maybe emphasized or. Yeah. Yeah. It's very sexy. Very sexy. Yes. <laughs> Knowledge is sexy. I think it is. Cause like you want to respect. You remember that. You as always a woman, tease my nerd self. You yeah. remember that. Well, think about it. As a woman, that's, that's what I'm, I'm told guys greatest needs is respect. I would differ with that. I think there's another need, but. What is the need, Terry? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Maybe it goes back to Naked Tuesday. I don't know. But, <laughs> but I think it's very attractive to me that he is always bringing even just new thoughts. Like he doesn't have to be, he doesn't have to know it all. He can say, I don't know, let's read about it or let's talk to so-and-so they've done it or yeah, it's just, that's good. Yeah. So the, one of the things I love about you too is just your um, generosity. You are probably the most giving people I know and always looking for places to give, but also how you've just kind of, made that a part of your entire family. Like it's, it's like the natural rhythm. So tell me some of ways that you have kind of done the practical things to make that important to your family or your rhythms. What do you, what do you do? Maybe even their strategies and tactics. Oh yeah. Cause the philosophy they said is we will be generous, right? Yes. Like that's, oh, yeah. Yeah. that's the philosophy. Generosity so is a pillar. Yeah. Strategy and tactics. Yeah. So we, We've actually been intentional with getting educated in that area, both through reading, we've attended some conferences, listened to some speakers that, uh, that have really helped shape how we go about it. But for us, there's a good part of it that we want to do together and get involved with, uh, whether it's a nonprofit or a ministry or whatever, something that we can participate in, get involved with, speak into, and also support financially or with other resources we may have. Uh, and then we got some stuff we each do individually that maybe is each one of our passions. So it's a combination of stuff and it's in its own going. So we're not dropping five bucks in the bucket, so to speak, and moving on, but we're, you know, we're getting involved in, 
and it's really got to be something that we both have a passion about. Yeah, and I think that I'm a two on the Enneagram, and he's a nine. Chris is a nine. And so one of the things I understand about me is that I am generous by just the way I was created. But that the two, the helper, the helper. Yeah. But I have to be careful with that. Right. Because I have my own unhealthy desires or maybe motivations that I don't even realize if I'm not careful. And so one of the things that we have done, like Chris said, is be educated about it. But also it started a long time ago. We just started where we were with what we had. Mm. It didn't start writing big checks or supporting entire projects. It started with how can we go into every situation, every conversation and leave it better than the way we found it? And not from a judgment standpoint, but from a giving standpoint. So the philosophy, if the philosophy that we live by is we're given everything, everything is a gift, right? Um, not, Not a good gift or a bad gift, but a gift. So if I approach life from that philosophy, which we've chosen to do, then my strategy is in response to being given everything I want to give. Mm-hmm. So that's just, a, it's just gratitude. And then tactics are when the kids were little, Chris took them, every single one of them on mission trips. He wanted them to give their life literally, you know, whether it was a week or it was the physical strength of painting or doing, you know, arts and crafts, whatever. He wanted them to learn to give not just a check, but their hearts and their hands and their whole self away. And then as they got older, we did it through um, giving clothes and toys away. So just very practical things right where we were with what we had. And then as we, that became um, decisions and then it became sort of a lifestyle, like we just could do it more of a reflex. And then when we came into a position where we had more. We just did the same thing. It was just on a bigger scale. So by that point, it had become a lifestyle, and it wasn't making that decision every single time. Love it. I have a different question we didn't prep you for on this one, but I was thinking about it as you guys were sharing. Uh, a lot of our listeners are involved in kind of entrepreneurial activities. They may be working on something together, or, or one of them might be pursuing a dream passion project. And we had one other person we interviewed one time. They said when, this was Terrence, when one person is pursuing a dream, the whole family is part of that dream. Is that fair? I think you guys may understand this statement. And I'd love for you to share the story about when you owned the trash company and how that affected your whole family. (laughs) Are you open to the sharing this story? (laughs) This is a great story. (laughs) Chris is like, I don't know if this is a great story. He's leaned yeah, back. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a learning moment. <laughs> so what did you learn? What happened and what did you learn through that that other people can learn from? Yeah, so we got involved or started a garbage company, a residential garbage company, with the intention of writing some software for that industry. Okay. And Chris got mad one day. He came home and saw the the garbage bill on the counter and was like, this is ridiculous. This is entirely too much money to be paying for garbage. And they had just gone up. And so he was like, we're, we're doing this ourselves. We can do this better. And, and so, there's money in it. And there's money in it. And I was like, okay. So I've been paying the garbage the bill for a year. I don't even care if they've gone up. <laughs> so, so anyway, so we started a trash company because it's all logistics if you think about it. And, 
And the aspect of it that you're getting at <laughs> really related to the recycling side of it. Which we won't talk about recycling in philosophy or strategy, but we will tell you that um, we started this together. He had a, another partner, but I, um, I had a large part in this, in the garbage company. And we had these garbage trucks. And because we were starting out, we bought repurposed garbage trucks, which basically translates into they break all the time. So the recycle truck broke down. And I had two kids at home at the time, and um, we had been selling to our neighbors, our friends, people at our church and our community. So these are people we knew, and I know what it's like to drag your stuff down to the, you know, the curb on a Tuesday night. So we had no choice but to take my car, my Lincoln, we lined it with garbage bags <laughs> and went around to all our neighbors and friends. I put the kids in the car, and we collected all their milk jugs, egg cartons, box cereal boxes. That night I came home and said, we're done. I quit. <laughs> I quit. That was the end of the trash. This is no longer our family project. <laughs> now, and that is the extreme. Right. I mean, it's like, that's why I wanted you to share the show. It's like, you know, anyone can put themselves in that scenario. Like, totally. I'm helping my husband, I'm helping my wife, whatever that is. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes right. right to make sure that we succeed in this but then sometimes there's a breaking moment where it's like uh, but i'm not willing point. to do that right or <laughs> i've done what it took and now we're done now we're done <laughs> but what advice would you give i i mean either side of you like if you're if your spouse is pursuing their dream like how do you be that support and also how do you you know keep them sane in the midst of it if they're stressed out all any advice you have in that space I think ask them what they can do to help. You know, sometimes there's stuff they can't do. But sometimes there may be some little thing that they could that they may not ask them to do unless they're asked. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think ask, ask what, you, what do you need because sometimes people don't know what they need. But if they stop and think about it for a minute, you know, so it might be an emotional need. They might need accountability, and I might not be able to give him accountability, but I might say, well, if you need accountability, go get an accountability coach. Or in that case, it was just a tangible, like, he needed, we, he was a man of his word, so we had to get those recyclables picked up, you know. But on the grander scale of it, it was, okay, this is not working, so we need to drop back and sell the garbage company or it come up with a plan because these trucks are breaking all the time. But I also think for an entrepreneur that a lot of times support and encouragement, which I don't know that I was that great at with this first startup, but I learned to lean into it by the garbage company. So maybe the garbage company, which was his second company, I had learned maybe what I didn't do the first time. Hmm. And so maybe the recyclables, besides just being very practical, it was also a way to like lean in and support him and do what I could do, right? That same philosophy of take what I have and start there. And, you know, instead of go, well, boy, you need to get a, a plan. No, that night we needed to pick up the recyclables and mm -hmm. we could work on a plan. The next day. The next day. Yeah, hmm. that's good. So the holidays are coming up. Yes. Let's change yes. change topics a little bit. And I know that now your empty nester is number one. So the holidays probably look different now. Yes. And also in the past, I know that they've sometimes been a struggle for you all or 
difficult, I would say, sometimes with either kids not being there or expectations of what your holiday would look like and maybe it not happening. Talk a little bit about holidays and how your family has kind of done them and worked through them. Yeah, so I think holidays for us have been a big win um, in our marriage as we work, how we work together as partners. We um, had a child that was in rehab for his addiction for about eight years off and on. And then we also had another child who had uh, has mental illness, bipolar. And so those two children were out of our home getting treatment and getting help for a large part of their teenage years and um, later teenage years. And so holidays, we all go into everything with expectations. It's either how we want it to be, so it's different than it was when we were growing up, or we want to do different traditions and things exactly like they were because they have meaning and value to us. So we're looking at a holiday, our very first holiday, and we had a child not coming home because he was in treatment. And I just remember thinking, how, how do you even do this? Like, how do you do it? And so we just started praying and seeking wise counsel from other people that maybe had been through that. And um, I'll never forget this song came on, you know, if you can't be with the one you love, love the ones you're with. And all of a sudden I realized that's going to be my strategy. I'm not going to focus on what we don't have. I'm going to focus on who showed up because they didn't have to show up. I mean, even though they were kids and at this point we had an older child um, and she was married, they didn't have to come to our house. They Mm -hmm. could have opted out and gone to the spouse's family, you know. And so we just decided right then that we were going to celebrate with anybody that came into our home for that holiday, whether it was a friend and we would, we would mention, so it's not like the elephant in the room. We mention, you know, we're thinking about this child or this family member that's not here, but we were not going to let that steal our joy, that we were not going to let the joy that could be found and be experienced in that day be hijacked because of something that we perceived at the moment to be a lack, which would be, you know, that, that child not being there. It's so good. It's so good for listeners who have kids gone far away, traveling. I mean, you know, there's so many situations where you're just, you can't be with your kids, even though you really, really want to. So, and believe me, it's hard because you want to just get in a ball and cry and not go forward and just Mm. sort of say like, we're not doing Christmas or we're not doing Thanksgiving because so-and-so can't be here, you know? Right. But I I think what we've learned is that if we look at people as gifts, then we don't necessarily put the expectations on them to make us fulfilled. So the holiday isn't about me getting all my expectations fulfilled. Right. It's about me giving, right? That generosity. What can I give here? Right. And sometimes we've invited people into our home that we really probably wouldn't have invited because we wouldn't have had an extra chair. So it's enabled us to open up our lives a little bit bigger and say, yeah, you know, it stinks that this child isn't home and that's not what I want, but I'm going to love whoever does come. Hmm. And it's hard. And to pretend that it's not hard is not true. So it's hard. Right. But it goes back to what do I really believe? Hmm. And I believe in the end that it will will work out. It will be okay. Hmm. And it has been. 
I would say for us. Yeah. So I think historically, Chris has been the entrepreneur in the family. Yes. And more recently, you are in your, really your first entrepreneurial venture, right? Yes. Ever since I was 10, but yes. Since since you were 10. Okay. (laughs) And which is called On Purpose Goods. Can you share a little bit about what you're doing with that and how people could get involved? Yes. So I love giving and I decided that the greatest thing I could give would be the opportunity for other people to experience giving. Because it's it's a little bit of like being a joy junkie where you give and you realize there is such a rush of joy and fulfillment in, in giving. So we started a company and we sell pillows and it's a give back company. So $5 from every pillow goes to specific nonprofit organizations and just places that are doing good in the world. And so what we say is that they're on purpose. So when you give or you buy a home good for yourself, that you have a greater purpose than just giving a gift. It it goes on. And um, every every time you get a pillow, you see what your contribution is to that specific organization. And it's just fun to see people take what they have, which is exactly the way we've lived our life, and give out of what we have right here, Hmm. right now. And those pillows are just an extension of that. So there's a whole bunch of different pillows. I, I just want to highlight myself a couple of these because if you're thinking just about getting a present, a few favorite, yes, yeah. If you're thinking about getting a present for a friend for this holiday Christmas season, specifically, there's a couple that just always sell out. But can you say so? If you have a friend that has a dog, right? Yes. So we what? have. So our our biggest seller is Home is where the doodle is. Home is where and the doodle apparently, is. Apparently, doodle owners. Doodles are crazy. They are Doodle just owners. flying those flags. Yeah. <laughs> My <laughs> sister's one of them. Yes, yes they're a little crazy. Yes. <laughs> the other one is the cats. So we have oh. um, a new line coming out of cats and the reserve for the cat. Because um, oh, doesn't every cat cute. really run the house? They do. We think that that's a premise. They get their own spot. Um, and we also have neighborhood pillows. Pillow. Yes. Oh, yeah, you have neighborhood Oh, yes. Yeah. And these are, we're Local, highlighting right? these for the holidays, and it's all Atlanta neighborhoods, but we've started to get requests for other cities. Hmm. So if you have a neighborhood or you want some neighborhood pillows, just contact us because we're happy to make your pillows. And what we try to do there is we put the money back into that community. That's great. And uh, the dogs and cats one, is that going to some other? Yes, it goes to Friends of Pets. Okay. So it's a national organization that keeps dogs from being and, and different pets, cats. And I think they even do maybe other more exotic pets from being euthanized, from being killed. They, yeah. So it's really neat. And then our holiday lines coming out, which we're pretty excited about for Hanukkah and Christmas. So you might find something there. The idea is show and know. These are gifts that people can display in their homes or their offices or wherever. And people will know them by the things that they love and the things that they they care about. I love that idea. That's a great gift idea. All right. It comes down to the final question. The final question. I am not, I, because we've had this conversation with Terry before, I'm not too optimistic about this one, but I, we're going to see what she thinks about this and Chris. And I would love it if they disagreed. Honestly, I'm hoping they disagree. But anyway, <laughs> is it possible to work, stay in love and raise a healthy family? Hell no. <laughs> Let's be real here. <laughs> yes. I just don't see it happening. I think somebody has got to, you know, stand back just a little bit from a supporting role. You know, do important stuff, but maybe they're not out there on the front line blazing the trail, changing the world. You can change the world if you got a partner there with you doing the unglamorous stuff. 
And I think that's what we've seen. And so it's a, it's a give and a take. And I mm. think different seasons, you know, I think it can change. But having the kids at, at home, I think, is what, for me, makes it a hell no. So for what you're saying is like there's – it's not that you're not optimistic about conceptually the idea. It's that – that someone has to take priority in exactly. different seasons. Exactly. Someone we has talked to about step it back, right? Yeah. As public and private. Somebody mm-hmm. is out in the public for the family. And then that means there's somebody in the back being, you know, taking care of the private, the things in the home. And so is your answer no to? My answer is no way. Because I think it <laughs> go, if we go back to expectations, it sets up false expectations. The expectation that a woman can have it all, therefore she has to be it all. I don't want that. Mm. Now, I have had to do a lot, but I would say no. I think we're a team, and I think at times... Chris is public, the public face of the team, and I'm back at home doing not less valuable. Some could argue more valuable because if I'm changing the world, maybe I'm changing him with the things, the way that we run our home, our philosophies, our strategies, our tactics, mm-hmm. our, you know, so that he goes out and changes the world. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's one of the children. Or maybe it's someone that comes to visit our home. So I think the, the danger of thinking you can have it all at the same time is, I think, what I say no to. At the same time. And I think the seasons piece is something that I'm in learning about because I was the private person for the first 30 years. Chris was, we both worked in the beginning. Um, actually, I made more money than him in the beginning. Um, <laughs> but it became quickly, you know, obvious that his particular career, which was a CPA, he could make more money. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to stay at home and be a mother, not necessarily not work, but that I didn't want to be in the public career face every day. Mm. And so that was a team decision that we made. And I'm glad we did because now I am a little bit more out in the front with my startup, but I would have never had that opportunity if we hadn't watched his career evolve and Mm. I was in the supporting role. Right. But I think all work is a gift, right? Mm. We just have to decide you know, the give and take, sort of the waxing and waning of who's out in the public and who's in the private. And even people that, two public figures, you turn around, there's an army behind them, behind them leading yeah. the private world. Our daughter, our oldest daughter, she and her husband work full time. Mm-hmm. So some would say that they're both out in the public. Mm-hmm. But that's one of the reasons we've chosen to live in the city is to undergird and be part of that private army along with her nanny and her housekeeper and her friends, because they, you know, they do play dates and stuff to help with childcare. So I think what I say no to is the expectation that you can have it all at the same time. Okay. Does that make sense? I like that. So I got a hell no and a no way. Amen. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, we're so thankful you're on the podcast with us today. You guys are incredible people in our lives have spoken to us in all different phases. And, you, you know, we expect you'll keep speaking into our lives in the seasons to come. And we're really encouraged by learning from you today. Thank you guys. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. And now it's time for the breakdown. Let's do this. That was so good. They have wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. What did you take away from that? The first thing, well, I want to start with the end because they said that, start with the end of mine. 
their last they were not so positive about this project in general. But something it's that they not did about say, the project. It's about the question. It's about the question. But I like the what big they said. Hell no. Can you let me speak, oh, please? Yeah. Go ahead. Oh Go my ahead. goodness. It's my turn. Go ahead. Wow. Really? Oh, I thought you were gonna talk about the hell no. No, I I, I, I am. I was just saying wow oh. in response to you at this moment. Okay. Really? Okay. I got it. Uh, I liked what Terry was saying about the difference between public and private. And that behind, behind, if anyone is out in front pursuing a dream, pursuing a passion, there has to be someone behind them that are making sure all the other details are being taken care of. And I thought that was really good language for us to think about and to advise other people on who, who is behind the scenes in this, uh, in this pursuit of purpose. And I think that could really help a lot of people in our community. I do agree. I I do think it doesn't necessarily have to be the wife, though. It doesn't necessarily, you know, when you're thinking about a partnership, you're um, if you're both out front, then, you know, who is that kind of team of people behind you then? Or um, it can go vice versa, being the male or the female. Can I do my second one? Oh, you're just on a roll. Well, I want to say the quote and then I want you to respond about how what you thought about this. Chris said this quote. Kids are a reflection of you as parents, but they don't define you as parents. Yeah, I what wrote are, that down too. What I, I, I actually wish I would have asked him more questions about that. What, what is your response to that quote? What did you think that means to you? Well, I think especially in the decisions that kids make and in the choices that they make, they are their own little people. So they get to make their own choices out of who they are. And who they are is not who I am. So it's like separating the person, right? And so they might reflect me as, hey, you're my kid and in my family but they have giftings that are different than mine. They have desires in their hearts that are different than mine. And so if they're going on this path, you know, of something completely different than what I would ever have imagined, it doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. It doesn't necessarily mean it's right, but it also doesn't define me as a person either because I... I'm a completely different person. I don't know. I, I just think about that a lot with with our kids, even, even you know, I'm, I went down the path of medicine, which is a very defined path. There's not a lot of leeway. You know, I had to go to college. I had to go to med school. I ha- those things have to happen. But I don't necessarily see that happening for our kids either. You know, if they choose a different path, college really might not happen, you know, and I just see things going in a different path for these kids that doesn't define who I am necessarily in the path of, you know, what I've chosen to do. That's good. What was something you took away? I really liked what Terry said about everything is a gift, Um, not a good gift or a bad gift, just a gift. And that brings up to me in my head the whole mentality of abundance versus scarcity. So we can look at life and situations of life. When you say everything is a gift, you come from a mentality of abundance, that everything I have is freely given, has been given to me, and so then I can open up to give away versus the mentality of scarcity where we all have to fight for our piece of the pie 
because there's not enough of the pie to go around. And that makes you hold tight. That makes you stress. That makes you, you know, all these things that are opposite of this generous lifestyle that yeah. they've. I they've do think come the hard part. Of. I think the hard part in that for some, I like that related to giftings, not just just money. But I do think there is some stress levels that people have. I was thinking about this when they were talking about if people are caught in a lot of um, debt, mm-hmm. that they're like, well, I can't be generous right now. But I do, I, I do but think she did that, say, I mean, they did say later of just right, start where you are with what you have. Yep. And it, and they can give more over time. But I do think today it's like, how did he mentioned, how do you win the day? How do you start using what you've been given today for the sake of others? And I like, I want to continue on this. I loved what she was broke down this, these three things, philosophy, then strategy, then tactics, which right. I know for you, you may not love it. You don't love the business lingo, yeah. but for a lot of people listening, this may be a framework that they can work through a season that they're in right now to kind of go in this season. What is our philosophy in parenting? What's our philosophy in, in our marriage, you know, or what is the philosophy today? And then what are the strategies and tactics? I think that's like a good framework that we always have to be asking. And we do this, whether we use that language or not, you and I do this given right now, our kids are six and eight. How are we, what is our philosophy in parenting them at this, in this season? And what does that mean for our, you know, what we do today, given all that? Yeah. That's another great episode of Love or Work. And we are so thankful that you listen along with us. Check out On Purpose Goods and have a great holiday season. 